Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Of course, we know that we're early in the space, and a lot of times, because I'm spending so much time in the NFT community on crypto Twitter, and I'm speaking about this content, constantly researching projects and companies that are developing the space, that I lose sight exactly how foreign a lot of this stuff comes in. And when I think of even just the name NFT, I've, I've said many times that I thought a better word for it would have been digital collectibles because an NFT is just another acronym. doesn't really mean much to anybody and they just brush over it when they read about it. And then when they actually hear non-fungible token, it's like a foreign language. What does that even mean? But digital collectibles is really only one corner of this whole NFT space. And I did some more thinking and said, well, really, what is a better word to describe everything that is going on? And I was thinking of verified digitals. But then that posed another problem. I said, well, the acronym for that would be VDs. And then posting hashtag VDs, that could just open up a whole bunch of trouble and what have you. Don't want to put that up. So anyways, I still think we need to think of a better name, a more encompassing word that actually invites people into the space kind of explains it a little bit better for this to really have mass adoption. And I was in a meeting just explaining this podcast to someone and this, the content, what have you, and I realized that everyone uh, was interested in the space. However, they were a little bit intimidated about the subject matter and the technicalities of it. So in this episode, I'm just going to really break down some simple things. And I thought, what better way, who should I better ask than my wife? I present her with the opportunity to ask a couple questions about NFTs. And it really was surprising me because I record a lot of these episodes in her presence. So she's hearing this constantly uh, every single day. She's really hearing about NFTs and what have you. And the questions that she asks, I think, will be just a great springboard for an episode. And first and foremost, she said, why do people care about NFTs? Why are they interested in NFTs? And I think the number one uh, reason why people are interested in this NFTs is because they see the future benefit. Of course, this is something new. This is something novel on the scene for the most part. Um, however, the people that see the future benefits are the ones that are the most enthusiastic about it, such as myself, is because I see it solving a whole lot of problem. And if it weren't for NFTs and the utility of it, I would have never been sold on crypto and the blockchain and the whole uh, digital currency space and all that stuff. So really with NFTs, why do people care about it so much is because they see the future use cases, which really goes into her second question. Well, what are the benefits? And to really understand the benefits of an NFT is to understand the, the use cases of the NFT. And I know many episodes I've actually spoke about uh, the different reasons why to purchase NFTs besides flipping it to make uh, money or anything like that. But art is one of the major benefits of it. So five, 10 years ago, the best option for a digital artist was to sell logos and do business cards for other people, or maybe they'll just you know, get their creative juices flowing and post things on Instagram. But very few artists actually make money, make a living doing what they love, which is creating. And that's where that term starving artist comes from. That's nothing new. And we were always uh, through history. We patronize the arts and we basically they run on uh, our donations for the most part, because the vast majority of artists are not the Picassos and the Rembrandts and uh, Monet's and the celebrated uh, artists who are basically rock stars, or many of them don't even see those benefits until they pass away. 
So a lot of artists, how they make their money is just doing commercial art or doing gigs, whether it be comic book drawing, movie posters or logos or whatever it is. But with this whole NFT space, a lot of artists are very excited to finally make a living doing what they love. They don't have to take on clients. They don't have to do uh, other things that are basically just working at the mercies of the people who are willing to pay them that put a value on their art. No, they just create and put it out there and that people that want to purchase it they're able to make income straight to the market. There are no gatekeepers. So that is one benefit for the artist. And for collectibles now, that is another benefit for people who are collecting sports cards. They're collecting coins, let's say, Pokemon cards, whatever it is. There are just uh, so many things that you can collect. Uh, even if you have the money, you can collect antique cars, such as Jay Leno, who has a, a vehicle museum on his property. So people love to collect things, stones, seashells, you name it, they collect stamps. So NFTs gives an opportunity for people to collect, whether these are one offs, their series, like a pack of cards or whatever, they're digitally made. It doesn't take up any space. You can travel with it. You can show it on your phone. Because it is digital, it does not take up any physical space in someone's home or garage or wherever it is. So in theory, a collector has unlimited possibility as to what they can collect. A third benefit and third application for it is in-game NFTs. Now, throughout history, you know, we can think of from the days back of, uh, you know, Atari or, you know, you look back uh, at our teens when we're playing um, Nintendo, Nintendo 64, PlayStation, whatever it is, our parents were always telling us to stop playing video games, stop wasting time. And, you know, some people playing computer games and what have you, it's always one of those things like, oh, these kids just won't get off their gadgets. That is nothing new. Ever since they were gadgets, there was this. So in the reason why parents and people in general have a negative perception of video game playing is because it's sort of a quote unquote waste of time. The hours that people dedicate into these games has no real world value. However, with NFTs, it actually gives people the opportunity to translate their video gaming into real world income. Before, the only way to really do that was to enter a tournament such as Madden's tournament or, you know, something with prize money. Or if you're getting a sponsorship, let's say you're on YouTube, whatever it is, and, you know, people were pitching their products and you're you're just promoting things because you're a an influencer but in this space actually with play to earn gaming and the ability to earn nfts which in this case is a an asset that can be collected it can be traded it is a real thing that has value people who are playing these games now once they step away from their cell phone or their computers whatever it is can use that time spent to pay their bills. And I'll just give you a quick example of all the, uh, the trivia games or any game where there is a points or a ranking system, right? All that time that you spend in it, the, the vast majority, especially with mobile gaming, is it's a free game really with some add-on that might give you some extra lives, might give you a faster uh, way of earning points or whatever it is. So that is how money is generated within the system or they're just running ads. So you basically play, pay to turn off the ads or by watching those ads, that is how the developer um, generates income. But in this new model with play-to-earn gaming and with NFTs and everything, the player of the game is actually contributing to the economy of that game and those NFTs or tokens that are being earned within the gaming 
can then be sold off for real assets, real world money, such as US dollars or wherever you are, because it has a value and it can be tracked on the blockchain. This is something that is real. It's not something that, uh, you know, can be deleted or, you know, in the sense of the olden days when the video game uh, producer, whether it be Atari, Nintendo, Sony, whoever it is, actually owns that game. And, you know, really you can get banned from the network or whatever. But in this Web3 uh, economy where you're actually owning your assets, you can also sell off those assets. So it is a very cool benefit for gamers that actually makes their video gaming something that is worthwhile and has real world value. And the fourth application is just really the NFT, these tokens, whether we want to call them digital collectibles or whatever it is, uh, or verified digitals or whatever it is that I can think of in the future, or we as a community come up with that is a just better thing. They are also the keys in a lot of cases to future benefits. When you say future benefits, what exactly are we meaning? Think of a concert ticket. When you purchase a show, let's say a Broadway show or a sporting event or, or a, a rock concert, whatever it is, and it's off in the future, well, that ticket that you purchased gives you access to that event, whether it is watching the play or watching the game or the music, whatever it is. So it's off in the future. So with these digital assets now, the future benefits that it can unlock, it could unlock the access to a community. It could be a workshop, a course. It could be a lot of things that it allows people to get into. And because everything is stored on the blockchain, it is verified. It is 100% real. There's not going to be fakes as far as the contracts because everything that makes this whole Web3 space so amazing is that it does not rely on the intermediary to verify between two parties. And when I say that, that might sound like a complicated statement, but using my analogy of the concert tickets, for example, when you go to the official source, for, so let's say the, the concert venue or what have you, you know that is that is from the first party. It is 100% verified. You're getting it from the place of origin. So that is real. Now, how do you know that something is real when you're purchasing it from a third party? Let's say someone bought the tickets and for whatever reason, something came up in their family and they're not able to attend and they want to sell off the tickets. That opens up a whole bunch of opportunities for scammers to scalp off tickets and there are fakes on the market and what have you, but how do you really verify that something is real? That is one of the problems that this whole Web3 and blockchain solves is that because there is an open ledger, there are multiple computers and multiple parties verifying it that you don't need to trust the person that you're actually buying from or know because the system, the the entire network or the majority of the network is actually the proof that it came from the original venue or the original source to verify that it is real. So in the old way of doing things, as far as on the internet and um, what what have you, let's say a ticket master was the, the middle person, the, the trusted source, that trusted marketplace, and they would ensure that you're actually buying real tickets for a real event and you weren't going to be, you know, uh, turned away at the gate or shunned or arrested or something because they were ensuring it and guaranteeing that it was real through their processes. But with Web3, with NFTs and blockchains and all these contracts, the whole system now is, is doing that verification for you. So there is not that middle person. You don't have to pay a ticket master. You don't have to pay that trusted authority, if you will, in the middle to verify that it is real because the network itself, all of us as a whole are verifying its legitimacy. So another question that uh, my wife asked is, well, when did all of this come about? When were NFTs first invented? And really, 
this was actually a surprise to me because the first projects that I know about was from 2017, which was uh, the CryptoPunks projects and the CryptoKitties that came out over four years ago. However, I did not realize that there were some that actually came out in 2015. And that project did not survive the test of time, but Etheria was really the first quote unquote NFT as we would like to say. But the ones that really stand the test of time, the ones that you can actually purchase right now that are on sale uh, is uh, the CryptoPunks. And CryptoPunks and the CryptoKitties, really, they're just like old Nintendo style graphics, very, very simplistic art. However, the technology and the, the novelty of them and the historical value of them is why they're worth so much. And other things which I have discussed as far as how uh, the scarcity of them and what have you. But generally speaking, just for simplicity, that's what I'm going to say. The novelty of them, the, the historical value, and that is why they hold value. So the final question that she asked is, well, do I see this as having a future? And I think the reason why she's asking this question is because I'm investing a whole bunch of time in it. I'm doing all this research. I'm doing this episodes and I'm sharing all this stuff and I could be doing a million other things. So is this all being spent for nothing and say three, four, five years from now, will I be on to the next thing and NFT space will be dead? Well, what I would say to her and really everyone that asked this question, because I know a lot of people are thinking, is this just a fad? Is this just right now? No, I 100. No, let me rephrase that. I 1000% believe that this is going to be the norm, right? It solves so many problems. And this is just the first iteration of this technology being used but where i see this going is as far as this quote-unquote nfts and smart contracts and blockchain i can see this being every real estate transaction for example right now my my family owns some property in jamaica this is from i would say i don't know maybe like the 1930s or so 1920s that my great grandfather actually purchased this property and there is no official paperwork yes it is our property and there it is under common law which is like the old school english laws now in order to get that verified get the deeds and the titles and all that stuff it's going to cost a whole bunch of money lawyers to do researching and all sorts of stuff because of that it can only be a cash sale or we have to carry the loan if we wanted to sell it no bank is going to sign off on that and that is not just unique to that uh, property when i used to do real estate in new york there were a lot of rural areas that there were literally there were like no records at town hall or city hall and they were these old school like drawn up documents that literally looked like they were written on napkins and in order for a bank to be able to give title insurance and give out a loan and all those things, you had to go through a whole bunch of paperwork. So I see every real estate transaction really being an NFT. That deed, that title is going to be transferred on the blockchain and it's going to verify that the two parties that are transacting are authorized to do so. As far as ticket scalpers, you know, Super Bowl tickets, like the guy with the trench coat and the, the big sunglasses that are trying to sell fake tickets outside of the stadium, that's going to be absolutely gone. As I mean, I haven't been to the Super Bowl lately. Well, I, to be honest, I've never been to a Super Bowl. But, you know, when you watch shows and everything, they're always on the outside with trench coats trying to sell these tickets. Well, that can't happen on the blockchain. High-end products such as... Uh, Designer handbags and shoes and so many products can be tracked from their point of origin using 
NFTs on the blockchain. So there are so many applications where you're going to be able to verify. And that's sort of the reason why I started to uh, use that, that term uh, verified digital. But then I was like, yeah, you know, the problems I mentioned before. So I don't know what it is exactly that we're going to use, but there are so many applications and we're really just scratching the surface right now. It is the quote unquote nerds such as myself that are in this space that we're testing out all this stuff and we're writing contracts. And um, the reason why I say nerds is because we get the, like this connotation that we're uh, anyone in this space is either they're a scammer or you're some kind of techie nerdy person that has no social life or no uh, cumulative skills and what have you. And you're just locked away in some lab typing away and clicking away. So but really, the gamers, the people that are in this space that are really testing this out, the artists and everything, these are really just the pioneers. But when the mass adoption comes, I'm talking about every single contract I truly believe will be on the blockchain in the form of an NFT. And you might be thinking, wow, that is a bold statement. But the reason why I will say that is, you know how many times I've seen some kind of contract negotiation go down where a uh, one of the parties, one of the lawyers made a subtle change and emailed that version over to uh, the third party on behalf of the client and it was signed without fully seeing all those different things? Well, the change was made and went undetected. Well, that cannot happen on a blockchain when everyone is able to see exactly what's going on, all the parties you can't slip in and say this is a fake version of the contract no everything that is on the blockchain it is there it is immutable it cannot be changed and it can be verified it is accessed for everyone so it really takes away the need for a trusted third party it takes away the the possibility for a lot of scamming which is very ironic because people say a lot of wrongdoers and scamming and stuff is is in this space however that's where the term trustless comes in. It's because you don't have to 100% have a trust in a third party in order to transact between person one and person two. There doesn't have to be that third party verifier because the network, all of us as a whole, is what's really the verification. And it's, it goes along with the line of that saying that all of us together know more than any one of us by ourselves. And in the old system, you really had to rely on that one superpower, that one person that is able to have knowledge that you don't have. But with this new system, with NFTs, the blockchain and everything, we're relying on the whole. And it's a very cool concept and we're really just scratching the surface. So that's why I say, do I expect this to be here for you know another 10, 15, 20 years? I really expect this to be here for the rest of my life because you know it's like asking, the Wright brothers, if airplanes are going to be around uh, for the future. And really, once we took flight, there was no turning back. Or just think of the, the, when the wheel came onto the scene with the Egyptians. They built those pyramids and they did not have the wheel. Now, once the wheel came on the scene, you know, a lot of people were probably skeptical. Ah, yeah, you know, we've been doing it this way for so long, but th there's no going back once you see the wheel, once you see an airplane. And as far as once we start to use the full power of the blockchain, being able to track this stuff and nfts really again the naming is what's really the barrier for a lot of people but it definitely is the tip of the iceberg and it is opening up the space to everyone the masses Hopefully I explain this in a way that uh, anyone can understand that might have these questions. And if anyone uh, wants to share that with uh, their family and friends that might be questioning, well, why are you spending money and time in the space? Like this just seems like just a, a novel, crazy hobby. Why is this so important to you? 
maybe you could show them this episode or share this episode with them, I should say, and it should answer those questions for them. And if you have any other questions that you'd like me to cover, check out the show notes and I will definitely have my contact information in there and I will respond, whether it be with a message or another episode. Also, I've added some key episodes as far as, you know, NFT 101, some questions that will be asked that will be that were already answered in some of my previous episodes that could really help a beginner to come in. So just check those out and I'll be continuing to add to that and update it and try to get a, a curated list on various topics. But right now what I added in there is NFT 101, some basic things that maybe will clarify some things to anyone coming to those space. So you can check out those episodes. And as usual, I will see you in the next one later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.